Welcome to the show for sinners and sufferers, where we have conversations about exploring theology, engaging culture, and watching movies, all for weary souls in need of grace. Tonight, we're talking about consumer culture. You seem Ooh. shocked. I, Is no, it because I, I had a script? In? Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was not expecting it. Uh, yeah, we used to do that, and I felt like we we let it go. Anyways, yeah. t- tonight we got a great show for you. We're going to talk about consumer culture, immediacy, instant gratification, and the Christian life. For theology, we're going to talk about Sabbath rest. What is it? Does it still matter for Christians today? And then we're going to do something a little bit new. We're going to do a segment called Comments, Questions, Snide Remarks. We're going to respond to some of the community discussion from our Discord and reply to a comment on one of our YouTube videos that was intriguing. Yeah. My name is Cody. And my name is Kyle. And roll the intro. That was I feel like I have to introduce the drinks every week. Yeah. Because I've done it so far. Um, this is supposed to be a nice cappuccino made at home. Yeah. It does have a lot of foam, so that's very cappuccino cappuccino like. It's, it's not like bad. No, it's it's pretty good. It's a TikTok trend. Yeah, it's a said? TikTok yeah. thing I saw. It tastes a little more like uh like a McDonald's coffee frap to me than uh than a, a Tim Hortons ice cap. Yeah. That's actually a good comparison for it. Um, I don't know what I was expecting, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's not. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I'm impressed. It has a lot of milk, which normally isn't great for me, so hopefully we get through this episode. Uh, Yeah, it's a good drink. Man, I just noticed that the, like, sound from our intro it's been so quiet, so I adjusted it, and it looked like it was peaking hard. So I hope now yeah, it wasn't like break your ears. crazy distorted. So if that hurt your ears, I apologize, and stick with us. <laughs> yeah, people click off in the first thirty seconds because the music is peaking. Um, but yeah, you. So you had a story, and this is why we we're going to talk about consumerism and what made us think of this. I do because you had an experience which you haven't really told me about yet. Yeah. So. I know. Okay. Well, so um, where do I start with this one? I feel like this uh, is set up to be very interesting. It might not be interesting to you at all. Um, So I work for uh, right now, we're doing the coffee thing, um, roasting coffee and all that jazz. Um, uh, And while we're kind of doing some things to prepare for the rest of that to be a full-fledged business where we're making millions of dollars and everything. Um, I have been working for a, uh, it's a meal prep company and I do like, I deliver for them basically. And I do some other stuff as well, but one of my main, my, basically my main job is delivering for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, it, it's kind of like a hello fresh thing, but they actually like cook the meal for you and then you warm it up throughout the week. Um, and so we get orders from people and uh, we get a delivery sheet as delivery drivers with the address and then the number, and then we go and drop them off. Um, so what happens is we, uh, if it's like an apartment or even like a townhouse or a weird like living situation or whatever, um, we will text them before. So we'll text them during the day when it's being prepared, just being like, hey, just so you know, you're around this point in the route and you can expect around this time delivery because mm-hmm. apartments, buzz codes, all that kind of thing. Yeah. As a driver, then when you're, when they're your next stop, we send them a text and we're like, Hey, it's Kyle. Um, you're my next stop. I'll see you in five minutes. Yeah. And so, um, I, I'll tell the experience that brought this up and then my experience as well, cause I'll lead into it. But basically what I saw when I went in is, uh, to do, I did, I do some admin work for them as well. So what part of my admin work is looking at messages on phones and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We, I saw these like emails and messages being like, Hey, I haven't got my delivery tonight. Is it still coming? All this kind of stuff, like weird emails, but I was only yeah. getting like half the story. And then I was trying to do some digging and all of a sudden I see, um, this person's delivery was stolen. And I was like, what? So basically what happened is the delivery driver, uh, the person, 
was texted earlier in the day mm-hmm. saying you're going to get your delivery at this time. The delivery driver texted them, probably, as far as I know, yeah, and said, hey, I'm going to be there in like five minutes. And um, whoever was texting them back wasn't the actual person. Mm-hmm. And so the delivery driver dropped it off at this apartment, the, the address, probably in the lobby or they met someone or whatever. Yeah. And that person took it. And it was not the person whose order it was. So the phone number was wrong. So they were texting someone else who didn't deliver. And that person was like, hey, free meals and yeah. just stole the delivery. And it happened to me before as well. Like I was, I, I told you a little bit, but like I texted a guy once and I was like, hey, I'll be there in five minutes. He's like, cool, I'll meet you downstairs. I was like, great. I walk in, I'm holding a bag with the logo on it. Mm-hmm. And a guy comes to the door and he is, and I'm like, for Brad? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, cool. And I handed it to him and I walked away and then I get a text from the guy and it's like, Hey, just, uh, getting on the elevator now, be there soon. Sorry about that. Oh, no. I was like, what, <laughs> what just happened? So I ran back inside and I see this guy and it's like the door's locked. Like yeah. you need a code to get through. And I see the guy standing at the elevator with the bag and I'm oh. like, that's not the guy. So the then thing. was the guy was for on that elevator. So, so then what happened is the guy with that I gave the order to turned and looked at me and he was like, "Uh Oh, and he walked back and he was like, I don't think this is mine. I was like, it's not yours. <laughs> and so I grabbed it oh, back from him. And, but like, this guy was weird. Like I literally was like, you're Brad. He's like, yeah. I was like, cool. There you go. Yeah. And like, and he's like, whatever. But then, um, and then literally like, yeah, the next elevator that came down was the guy that yeah. the order was for. And I was like, here you go. Have a nice day. I think his conscience got to him because I, there's it's a thing. I saw a stand-up uh, comedian do a bit on this where he's like, the thing with Skip the Dishes that I love is is like I was coming out of my house one time and I saw Skip the Dishes car or out of his apartment or whatever. I saw Skip the Dishes car and I went, Skip? And he goes, yeah. Mike? I went, yeah. And then I took that and I was like, hey, hey honey, yeah, I brought falafel yeah. or whatever. Because, yeah, they don't, they don't care. But that's like a thing. It's kind of like stealing packages that people yeah. just know you can do. That if you ever see a skip driver, you just go, skip. And they'll say name. And of course, you just go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unless it's like Nancy. I'm like, totally. That's my name. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, well, there's nowhere for you, you to know either. Because yeah. you don't like have a picture of them mm-hmm. or anything. So like, and most delivery drivers just have like brown bags yeah and there's so many like i'll go into these apartments and um especially like really nice ones what they've started doing is they'll have like a table in the lobby so then the drivers don't go like into the apartment building Mm -hmm. um and i've gone in there's like so many packages on these tables it's crazy how many like or the front lobby it'll just be like oh can you just leave it at the the desk at the lobby and it's just packages everywhere Mm -hmm. it's crazy um, so I'm sure it happens like a ton that people yeah. just steal them or like it gets mixed up or whatever. Yeah. I'm surprised it hasn't happened to me it, more. So this sort of, so when you, you told me I have a story about like consumerism and immediacy, so I could see where this is leading. Cause this is basically, it's almost like a major first world problem. It's like very much a problem mm-hmm. of our cultural moment, but we've definitely, we're in this place where, so I'll order like Uber Eats food maybe twice a week. Yeah. <laughs> like just cause I'm like, eh, I want something different. It's like, it's not, well, especially around here. Like I don't know where anything is. So I'm like, I'll just order. It's less yeah. stressful than trying to follow Google maps when I'm hungry or whatever, or even like Amazon prime. And part of me, I am like, I hate Amazon cause it's running small businesses out of business and it's killing bookstores and all this stuff. But then I was out today doing some errands, had a meeting, get home. I was like, oh, I should uh, trim my fingernails. And then I go grab my fingernail clipper and it breaks like immediately. So I was like, I was already out today. I don't want to go out again. So I open Amazon, order no clippers. It's going to be here tomorrow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. next day delivery. It's like, so I'm part of the problem of contributing to this, this culture. But, but also like the thing is maybe not for nail clippers, but for a lot of things, like I've gone into so many stores and I've been like, this, this is what I'm looking for. Yeah. I know it should be in Canadian tire because Canadian tire has everything. Mm-hmm. And I walk in and you can't find it. Yeah. And it's like impossible. 
And so like most of the time, Amazon is way easier because yeah. they have it. I ordered the most bizarre thing. So I, I really like, there's this brand of sparkling water called Liquid Death. And I don't know what it is. It just actually tastes really good. It's just water that's carbonated. And they have their whole spiel about how it's from the Alps and they carbonate it in such a way that you don't get the bitter carbon taste and all that. But I'm like, whatever. But the only place you can get it is 7-Eleven and half the time they're sold out. But also here, the closest 7-Eleven, it's only like a 15 minute drive, but it's really oddly like out of the way like it's not in this mm -hmm. neighborhood you have to like go down the highway for a bit and it's strange so i was like so i just haven't had it in a while but i found i can order a case of it on amazon <laughs> <laughs> i'm a little bit nervous because it's carbonated drink and it's gonna be the package and like i don't know how much these drivers care to not shake these things but we'll see i'll keep i'll okay. keep everyone posted supposed to get here saturday i'll see if my carbonated so water funny. survives an amazon delivery um but yeah, we, we definitely, like, this is the, the culture we're in. Where we're used to getting things quickly, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's, a I think, a weird, like, frustration that I've had recent years. It's, like, a huge first world problem is that Paramount Plus, the streaming service in Canada, sucks. And there's a lot of things. Well, you can relate to this because the main mm -hmm. thing is Survivor. Yeah, and they don't have, like, the first yeah, fifth There's nowhere... Seasons nowhere in canada that you can stream all the survivor now yeah. you have to use a vpn like yeah. there's no way to do it legally like even if you want to give them money yeah and this is like the biggest problem but then i'm like how is this so upsetting to me yeah <laughs> when, when, when this is like was never a thing like there's when like i was young and survivor is still kind of like a new and, and popular i guess it's fairly popular still but mm -hmm. de definitely i feel like it was bigger when when we were kids i was like i never would have occurred to me that you could just go watch the backlog of all the seasons that ever existed like if you didn't see it on tv it's done unless you go buy the dvd yeah or you had to go to like there it used to be on youtube for a little bit and oh, it was yeah. like four or five parts so you'd like watch 10 minutes because that was the limit on youtube yeah and then you'd have another 10 minute video yeah. you'd have to find and like I, that's how you had to do i it. watched there's a it's like the only anime i've ever enjoyed called cowboy bebop and i watched the entire thing in like eight minute segments on, yeah. i don't even think it was youtube it was some like competitor in the early days uh but this is this is a side tangent but I've also found with streaming, so I really like The Office, but, and we've talked before about how a lot of these platforms are kind of becoming really, like, progressive and woke, and they have, like, agenda, whatever, um, uh, which we, I don't know, we're not super fiery about that or anything, but The Office is one where there have been full episodes just removed from streaming services because they're deemed, like, too offensive, the humor mm -hmm. is too offensive. Yeah. So... I'm really I'm trying to find like a box set of the DVDs just because I want like the uncensored version of the office. Yeah. <laughs> but that's funny. Yeah, I and I think um well it's interesting because that's that's the way you used to do it. Like you would go into Blockbuster, mm -hmm. you would find the show or movie or video game or whatever that you wanted, yeah. and that was it. And now you can just like when a game releases, you go online, you download it to your yeah. PS4 and it's ready in like an hour. And um I think that's where we were, we wanted to like kind of bring this is like, we have all these things where it's like, if you can't get it right now, it's not worth it mm -hmm. to us. And that's how everything is working. Like even the, the company I work for is like, it's, it's a smaller company. Like it's not HelloFresh or anything yeah. like that. Um, but it's like, it, you order by six o'clock the night before and you can get it the next day. Mm -hmm. And that's like how your ordering can go. Cause people yeah. need that immediacy. And when it comes to like uh, the Christian life specifically, I remember, I think it's Eugene Peterson. He said something along the lines of the Christian life is basically like a slow walk in the the, the direction of obedience or something yeah. like that. I don't know if you know it, but basically saying like, it's like just constantly and consistently walking towards faith and obedience in Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's a long walk as well. Yeah. Like it's, it's not something that just is so fast and, we often can get into situations where wh whether we're stuck in like certain sins or just maybe habits in our life that we're not mm -hmm. f a fan of or, or we know that is wrong. And we, we say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to change. I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to live in a way that's more obedient to Christ. I'm going to stop sinning in this way. And then we go at it for like two or three days and it's like, hasn't worked yet. I'm still yeah. tempted. And then we, we, 
go back to it. Totally. Yeah. Well, I had actually just a conversation. It's funny because it came up really organically. I was just messaging one of my old Bible college friends on, on Instagram. And she was talking about um, how like she wrote some whole like paper because she did seminary. She's a lot smarter than me on the role of the pastor and what that means and what that entails. And she was talking about how we have such a consumerist culture that we really just want to pay the pastor to like do everything for us. But that's not mm-hmm. the biblical model that we have. The biblical model is a plurality of elders. And most of these elders were just people that had jobs. There's people mm-hmm. in the community that that worked. And, and I think that's valid. That's a biblical model of the church is that like we, we, I think the only reason we make a distinction between a pastor and an elder is because in sort of late stage capitalism in the, the environment we live in, if you're not working full time and making a full time career wage, you can't afford to live. But mm-hmm. the, so then if you want to work less to be able to give time to ministry, then you need to be supplemented in some way. And that's why we have just like the job of a pastor because someone needs to be able to like have a career wage to live. And then someone has to be able to give a significant amount of their time just to the pastoring. But, but yeah, we, we sort of have this culture and we've experienced this. I'm sure I've experienced this when I, when we were pastors, uh, I really wanted to pitch this community group model where I didn't give them a curriculum mm-hmm. where I was like the leader just leads like their their people come and they're and they like have dinner or they play a game or something and the leaders just that whole time like i want to get into these people's lives and i want to talk about the gospel and talk about jesus and i want to like get to know them personally so that we can apply the gospel in our day-to-day lives and when i pitched this the leaders were like we don't want to do that yeah like that's too much work we're not the pastor we're just community group we're volunteers i was like well yeah, but you're supposed to be what they call them deacons in Baptist churches, which is that's the whole thing. But deacons and elders are not the same thing. Elders and pastors are the same thing. Anyways, but yeah, I was like, you're a leader in this church, lead. Uh, and we definitely have this approach to church where we don't really want to to do anything. One, well, and just to clarify for listeners, like n- neither of us work in a church right now. Like we just attend uh we, I've, we've been volunteering. I'm not volunteering right now because I'm in a brand new church. I'm still trying to get connected. But like, so, so we're saying this from the position of just church attendees, volunteers. Like, the, it's not all on the pastor to do everything. Like, we see mm-hmm. there, there's, I've had conversations with people who are like, yeah, I don't know about this church. I don't know about this pastor because I don't feel like I'm growing spiritually. Well, what's your like personal devotional life like? Are you in the word? Are you praying? Are you in a community group? Do you have like accountability? Do you have, a, are you mentoring? Do you have a mentor? Like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. It's like, well, you're upset with the pastor for not delivering this thing. They're not making you a deeper Christian, not making your relationship with Christ deeper, but you're not putting in the work yourself. You're treating it like, like me with ordering Taco Bell and Uber Eats. I'm like, I don't want to have to drive 15 minutes. I'll just make someone else do it and pay them to do it. But then when I might get my food and it's cold, like that's what you get (laughs) when you don't put the work in. Well, and I think it is often, um, uh, and again, saying this as former pastors and people who worked in churches, I think it's often our own like marketing and messaging that is causes the issue mm-hmm. because um, we don't very often preach the message of that like long obedience and how it's gonna it, you know it takes discipline and time and we we got to go through it together. Yeah, it, it's often like if you do this you're going to be a good Christian. If mm-hmm. you do this, then your prayer life's going to be better. Here's six tips to to make your prayer life be amazing. Yeah. And then someone tries it out and it just doesn't work because there's other things that the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is working on or needs to work on. And, and it's just not as simple as that. And um, and we're marketing our faith and, and the church just like Amazon markets their products. Like if you do this, you'll get it within a week. Right. Like, and it's, that's the whole thing. And I remember working in camps too. And it was always like, you would have these, like you'd have a gospel message um, session. You'd have a dedication, dedicate your life session. Mm -hmm. And, and tons of kids would come up and they'd give their life to Christ or they would dedicate their life to Christ. 
And then the the Sunday or the or the Friday, whatever it was, mm-hmm. when it was like the last session before they left, the the preacher of the week would always have to have this message where it's like, hey, when you go back, get into a church and do it and like yeah. do this, like make sure you keep this going. This isn't just for right now. But it's often just like we we preach about moments and how moments which are important, but we think like just that moment is going to just completely mm. fix everything. Yeah. Well, that was a, a, a huge issue because I've done summer camp. I did like a, like a really large summer camp where the full summer, like first day of school out, we had campers arriving mm-hmm. and like the last day of camp, the next day those campers are going back to school. So like yeah. a whole full summer. And there was a lot of the, like, you would have so many kids like having these big emotional moments and giving their lives to Christ and stuff. But then they have this plan where we're supposed to like, you pre-write letters, which I felt was a little bit phony. Like I, I, after each week I'd go write a bunch of letters that would be sent out that November to be like, Hey, it was so great getting to know you this summer, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So it made it look like I was still thinking of them, which I have to do. Like there's some campers I still like pray for to this day. But yeah, it's a big thing is you have these big emotional moments. I think of that with like youth ministry too, or even I was telling, uh, I was talking with my my new senior pastor at the church I started attending today. I was like, yeah, when I was like maybe 14, 15, I went to YC, Youth Conference in Edmonton. I don't know if you're familiar. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've heard yeah. of that. Yeah. Uh, and I remember having this like big, like come to Jesus. Like I haven't been living for Jesus moment. And I was like, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, like learning the right things, going to church and all this stuff. I haven't really been following. And that it was maybe like two years after that, that I, I had like a similar thing, but it was through like the faithful discipleship of our new youth pastor, shout out to Wes Lindy Mm -hmm. that I was like, okay, I actually still haven't been living for Jesus. Like I know the right things and I say the right things, but my heart hasn't been in it. So it was like, we have these big moments and we want this like instant change. But one thing that's really struck me recently, I'm reading through acts in my kind of personal devotions and I'm almost done. Um, is you get towards the end, it's every chapter like flows so smoothly. You kind of just want to read it all at once. But one thing that struck me is the times where it is like Paul, blah, blah, blah. They threw him in prison two years passed and then they bring him out and they question him. And it was like two years. Yeah. <laughs> like they just say that like it's, Oh yeah. A couple days go by two years. And in the old Testament, you see like even longer, there's prophets who are like, God calls them to be a prophet. He's like, you're going to be a prophet. I'm going to send you to my people. You're going to do this, this, and this. It's like, and then 40 to 70 years pass. And then the prophet's like, okay, now go say this. It's like, yeah. 40 is like God's timeline is not, our timeline like he just doesn't think like us we want everything so quick so like immediate and that's something that's resonated with me because uh i just moved to a new town and i want to be involved in ministry and i want to be leading and i want to be plugged in i want to have relationships it's like those things take time yeah like it's not i can't just instantly have established community and have like long-standing friendships when i've only known people for a month like yeah exactly and yeah i Galatians talks about this with the fruit of the spirit where it mentions patience and Mm self-control as fruits of the spirit. And I think um, that's one that a lot of us have a real issue with. Like patience is a, is a huge one, even though I've seen this year and like it's, I really can sometimes I can be a pretty chill person and pretty patient, but like there are definitely times where like when I'm really working towards something and it's not working within my timeline, I get really anxious about mm-hmm. it. And it's like, I just want this to happen. I want to to start now. I want to yeah. get going and all this kind of stuff. Um, but sometimes, you, you know, waiting and, and being patient on those things is exactly what you need. And it's definitely true with faith. Like if you, when you're patient and how many times does the Bible say to wait on the Lord? Mm-hmm. Um, in those moments, you learn a lot about yourself, you learn a lot about God, and you see his faithfulness in it as well. Yeah. Well, I think, unless you have something else to say, I think that we can transition seamlessly into mm-hmm. our theology topic for the day. I don't understand theology. I love that. So we're talking about Sabbath, and I think one thing you sort of alluded to there is that we suck at resting. Because mm-hmm. a lot of what, well, I mean, the word Sabbath just means rest and, and we're going to explore what that actual concept means and stuff. But 
a big part of it is resting is trust. When we stop working for a bit, we have to trust that God is still working. We have to trust that He's still going to be faithful. And uh, I think especially, I don't know if you've found it, but since moving to Alberta, I feel like in Alberta especially, there's this culture that really values work. Mm -hmm. It's like, how many hours are you working in a week? Do you have more than one job? How much are you hustling? Like, that's your measure of of a man. That's what makes you valuable. But we have such a hard time just just stopping, just like leaving it to God and resting, letting him do his work and trusting that he will provide. I think, oh, what's the, the reference where he says, think of like the flowers of the field, the birds yeah, of the Matthew, air. Yeah, uh, five to seven, like six probably. Yeah, yeah, Something okay. Like uh, but yeah, it's, it's like, you know, the birds don't worry about where they're going to find food. The flowers don't worry about what they're going to wear and they're the most beautifully dressed thing. Like don't stress. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we have a hard time just stopping. Like mm-hmm. we always have something to do. We always have like a lawn to mow or a pa- uh, room to paint or work to do. And uh, yeah, and I've, I always, I'm the type of person that have like a thousand side hustles that are all making me like $5 a month, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just like always busy, busy doing nothing. Like I'm mm-hmm. busy with something and it's hard to just stop. But well, and, and there's so many things at our fingertips that it makes it hard for it. Like, um, all the time, I'll be watching a show mm-hmm. on the TV. I'll be on my phone, scrolling Instagram, but then I'll have my iPad playing Candy Crush. Yeah. Like, that's just life now where where it's like, I just need to be entertained at all times. And I'll even like, I, I've tried to do this thing while, I, while I'm kind of working in a job that I don't work many mornings at mm-hmm. all. So I don't have to wake up very early and get going in the morning. So I've started like my, my routine is to wake up kind of just like chill in bed for a little bit still waking up. But then like I go to, um, I go and make my coffee and my breakfast and I go sit at the table that we have Mm -hmm. because what I used to do is I would like be watching a show in the morning because I wanted to get my show in because I want to get through the show. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll just sit there and I still like will do something on my phone, whether it's just kind of like passively listening to something or playing Candy Crush. I play a lot of Candy Crush right now. But But it's just like kind of taking it slow at the beginning of my day while I have that opportunity to. Yeah, I had, so I did something today that I was thinking I need to try and make a discipline. So I I met my pastor at a Starbucks for coffee. I was there first. I just got like a drip. So I got it right away as I sat down and he came up and he's like, oh, hey, Cody. He's like, I'm just going to go get my drink. And he goes inside and he was, it was maybe four minutes that he was in there getting his yeah. drink, but he got a nice coffee. So it took a little longer than drip. And immediately I pull out my phone and I'm just scrolling Instagram. I'm like, not even looking at it. It's just muscle memory. And I was like, I'm just going to not look at my phone during this time. Yeah. I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to enjoy this beautiful day. I'm just going to like be with my thoughts. And I was like, this is so hard. <laughs> Why is yeah. this so difficult to just be with my thoughts? But I think that's a bit like... Uh, a good discipline, something to practice. Mm -hmm. When there's lots of research on how we have our best ideas when we're bored. Mm -hmm. And often if we can't solve a problem or we can't come up with good ideas, it's because we're keeping our brain like too occupied. Yeah. Like we need something. Um, But yeah, so I think, yeah, let's, we can... So we're tracking with this 1689. And this one's an interesting one because I'm pretty sure just from observing how you are, I think we're on the same page with this, where this is something where we don't 100% agree with the 1689. Yeah. Did you read? Yeah, I'm trying to remember specifically. So read it. Read what you want, and then I'll let you know. Okay. There's there's two paragraphs. We'll, We'll break them down. Uh, 1689, chapter 23, paragraph seven says, "At it is, bleh, doesn't say that. It says, as it is the law of nature that in general, a proportion of time by God's appointment be set apart for the worship of God. So by his word in a positive moral and perpetual commandment, binding all men in all ages, he has particularly appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy unto him, which from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ was the last day of the week, and from the resurrection of Christ was changed into the first day of the week, which is called the Lord's Day, 
and is to be continued to the end of the world as a Christian Sabbath, the observation of the last day of the week being abolished. Okay, so this part I think we don't agree, we don't disagree with. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty yeah, straightforward. I think it's... it's yeah. uh, so, like, what what is the Sabbath? It's it's a time of, of rest from worldly obligations. It's It's a day... Um, of public and private worship. It's a day when Chick-fil-A is closed. It's a day to, f- mm-hmm. to focus entirely on God, to stop striving and working for a moment and just rest in Him, rest in His provision, to trust in Him uh, and to just be focused on Him and to be focused on who He is and His provision and, and to enjoy that. So the question I want to throw at you just off the top here. Is, is it a sin to work on a Sunday? Okay. To work your job on a Sunday. This is where this, you're jumping to the next paragraph. Am I? Yeah. Oh, okay. Do, do we want do it, to it, just read it or do we want to talk about this first one a little bit? Yeah. No, let's skip to it. Let's skip to I, it. Okay. Because, yeah, I think well. this is the big conversation. This is the, 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 the fun drama where we disagree. Okay. Next paragraph of the 1699 says... The Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord when men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering their common affairs aforehand, do not only observe a holy rest all day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employment and recreations, but are also taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of His worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. So... I want to track back a little bit to mm-hmm. get to get to your question. So in the Old Covenant, the Old Covenant understanding uh, of the Sabbath, when we saw it in that first paragraph, it says, it is the law of nature that in general proportion of time by God's appointment. So the Sabbath was something established in creation. In yes. the creation narrative, it's not part of a, a covenant. It's not part of the law to Moses it was something just established in creation. So we call it a law of creation. And then we see, so Exodus 16, as a mention of it, it says, do not collect food on the Sabbath, but store it more on the day before. So he's like, I don't even want you preparing or collecting food on the Sabbath day. Exodus 20 says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And I think there's an allusion to the fact that this is, Exodus 20, this is the first time it's mentioned in law. That's in Mm -hmm. the Ten Commandments. So he says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So he's saying, remember it because they're aware of it because it was something that was established in, in creation. The, the Israelites were familiar with the Sabbath already, it was, uh, but it was now being apl- applied theocratically as part of being a nation under the leadership of God. This was becoming a part of their national identity. Now, in the New Covenant, we see Jesus sort of act differently. And this is a common thing that the Pharisees call him out on, right? Because you know, Jesus, like for one, we, we've said before, Jesus didn't abolish the law, mm-hmm. right? We've said this a thousand, thousand times. I think of the SpongeBob clip. Have you seen that meme? Like how many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> like we just keep saying this. Jesus didn't abolish the law. He fulfilled it so that we're not under the weight of it. But that doesn't mean that it's not still a good rule of godly living, uh, a, a show of God's standard for how he'd like us to live. Um and, and like I said, the, the Sabbath originates in creation. It's not under the law. Um, but we see that, that Jesus sort of handled it differently. Like he pushes back on it. So, uh, well, I'm all over my notes because you asked me that question so early. Uh, Luke 6, Jesus' disciples pick some heads of grain walking through a field, mm-hmm. and, and the Pharisees freak out. They're like, how dare your disciples pick a head of grain? Well, that is that not different from picking up manna? But what, like, what does he he rebuke the Pharisees with? He doesn't dismiss the Sabbath, but he refocuses it to be about him. He says, "The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath." Mm-hmm. So, in the New Covenant, the Sabbath is a time to focus on Christ. To, to assemble as the church is something we see in, in Acts and in First Corinthians, where it's also where we get the idea of the Lord's Day, of how it's now on the day that He rose, not on the last day of the week, but the first. Like the Sabbath has become something now that is focused on Jesus and on who He is. Yeah. Um, so a lot of background to answer, is it a sin to work on this, on the Sabbath? Uh, it, it's, I think, betraying the point of the Sabbath 
to work if work is go to your job. Because if you're going to your job, like, and I guess like the, with understanding that some people's schedules, like I've had jobs where I had to work on Sunday, mm-hmm. just take a, a different day. And the, the hard part is because in the new covenant, the Sabbath is about that ecclesia. It's about the gathering yeah. that you really want to have that day off that you can be part of the gathering that you can worship in that way. And that's how you focus on Jesus. That's how you take part in communion, which we should be having every Sunday. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so I think is generally we, sh- we should be making an effort to have mm-hmm. the Lord's day off. Is it a sin? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where, so this is where I think, and I've been doing a lot of talking, but I'm going to throw this back to you. So um, the classical reformed view so there, it's called being a Sabbatarian, and mm-hmm. I'm a Sabbatarian because I say that we need to recognize the Sabbath, yeah. that it still stands, that I need to not work one day a week. But a classical Sabbatarian, or as I'll say, a strict Sabbatarian, is this view that we saw in the confession, oh, I lost it again, where it says, um, rest from their own works, words and thoughts about their worldly employment and recreations. Mm-hmm. So like... You don't even think about work. You don't talk about work, and you don't even go play sports. Yeah, and that's where I'm like, eh, that sounds a little pharisaical to me. Yeah, <laughs> like it's I don't too far. I don't think I agree with this with the classical reformers here. Yeah. Yes. Scandal, it, controversy. Well, I and this what's is wrong where, <laughs> with you people? <laughs> this is where, like, that's where I think we both disagree with the the sixteen eighty nine. There, yeah, is like to. And I would say I disagree with both to a certain extent Mm -hmm. because, well, I think, you know, as well, just from the fact that I do work like right now, I do work on Sundays. Yeah. Um, I work Sunday nights, but Mm -hmm. either way I work Sundays. Um, and I used to kind of be very strict. And so whenever I got a job, I'd be like, oh yeah, I just can't work Sundays. Yeah. And I was never really like against it, but I was like, I think I should have Sundays off. That should be my, my mm-hmm. day. And even when I was, um, manager at the, the coffee shop that we worked at, I was like somewhat on call in the sense of if someone couldn't make it in or they were sick and we couldn't find someone to replace them, it kind of fell on, it just yeah. ended up falling on me. Um, but even then, like I worked, I think one Sunday my whole time there mm-hmm. because they were, and that was like a Sunday afternoon when they yeah. were really stretched. Because I said, like, Sunday's my day off. That's the day I'm not going to work ever. Um, But obviously now I do work Sundays. And I think there's a a balance you have where I think if you're – the idea of the Sabbath is still there. I think that's what Jesus is getting at. Personally, that's what I think when Mm -hmm. they're, like, picking the grains. And he says, like, wouldn't you go pick up one of your cattle if it fell into a ditch on the Sabbath? I think what he's somewhat getting at, and you can like come at me with it if you want, or like in the comments if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but what 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 I think he's getting at is, I if you're working twenty four seven, in the, if you're working twenty four seven, and that means like you end up neglecting your family because you're working too much, and then you never make it to church, you never make it to the gathering, um, you never meet with Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's totally an issue. Yeah. And you're not, um, Jesus is saying like the Sabbath is the point of the Sabbath is to take rest in me. Yeah. And that's what like a Sunday, we use a Sunday morning service mm-hmm. and, um, I think that's what Sunday morning service should be Yeah, is rest. And, um, there's been so many times where I feel like we over program it so much to the point where like, there's a lot of people that go to your church that aren't resting on Sunday. Yeah. And, um, but like just being able to go to church, you sing songs, you listen to a sermon, you hear God's yeah. word read. One of my favorite practices when we were planting a church and from some other churches I've attended to was there would be a moment of silent confession where we mm-hmm. would like the whole congregation just sat there. I've done it in rooms of like, like f- five people and in rooms of like a hundred yeah. And it's great every time because it's like we're taking like a minute to just sit here and yeah. to think about it. And I think that's what the Sabbath is about is like resting and focusing on Christ. And that's where I agree with the 16 and 9, like taking a break from your 
employment and recreation. Yeah. When it, as far as the specific day, like pastors work on the Sabbath, like they work mm-hmm. on the Lord's day, I guess that's how we'll distinguish it. So the Lord's day, the, maybe the Lord's day isn't your Sabbath. Maybe it's the day after, maybe it's Friday, maybe it's Wednesday, depending on your, on your work. But, and I think, so like the 69 mentions in the duties of necessity and mercy, it's referring to that. Would you not pull your ox out of a hole or yeah. whatever? Like they're saying like, you can do work if it's mercy or whatever. Um, but I, I think it's generally, so I think employment is where I draw, like your job is where I draw a hard line that if you're working seven days a week, you like, you, you need to make an adjustment. Like, why are you working seven days a week? Do you need to be working seven days a week? Yes. I need you to pay my rent. No, you need to trust in Christ and you need to rest and trust him that if you only work six days a week, that if you set a time aside to focus on him and to rest and to obey the law that he set forth in creation, that he'll be faithful to provide for you. But yeah, as far as like resting for recreations, not playing sports, I think that that's beside the point. And I think what Jesus was sort of getting at where he's like, I'm the Lord of Sabbath is we talk a lot about, you know, the spirit of the law as opposed to the letter of the law. Mm -hmm. So the, the letter of the law is don't do anything. And that's where you have the Pharisees that are like, you can't walk too far. Or even like some of the classic reformers, they're like, they won't go out to eat because then that's forcing those waiters to work, which is then causing them to sin. Or right. they won't go get gas because then the gas attendant has to work and they just like won't do anything on those days. And I think that's focusing way too much on the letter of the law because you can do that. You can not work and just sit at home and absolutely partake in all kinds of sin and like yeah. watch stupid shows and and whatever. Whereas this, the spirit of the law is that there's a time where you stop trying to like make your income. You stop trying to take care of yourself for a second, and you just trust. And part of that is is why it mentions making preparations, which mm-hmm. is like historically was like making you food the day before and stuff. But I think with with Sabbath being understood in the new covenant as being focused on the ecclesia on the gathering, I think that's more like make get gas in the car on Saturday. Like, sure, yeah. or like if you yeah. have kids, I've heard of guys who are like put their kids clothing out. So that Sunday morning, there's like nothing obstructing them from that period of rest in the assembly is that's how they're making preparations. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, it's something where like, real life. And that's a lot of our, our approach with this podcast. And with the last stuff we do is we want to talk about real life and, and how you actually apply these things is like, yeah, some people work Sundays. I had, well, even when I worked for a Christian organization, a Christian social services organization, I actually worked seven days a week because my 24 hour break, which is actually illegal. I learned afterwards, <laughs> uh, was between a, a night shift and a day shift. Cause my night shift would end at 8am mm-hmm. and then the next day at 8am, my, my next shift would start. So I technically yeah. had 24 hours off and I actually think I was in the wrong mm-hmm. because I wasn't part of a church community. I didn't have a day of, of rest and I, I felt it because yeah. the, like, it is very much the Sabbath is a, is a gift for us. It's for our, our mental or spiritual, or emotional well being to rest, to just stop. And it's also for God's glory. Uh, Isaiah 58, 13, 14 says, if you turn your back, sorry, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord, honorable, um, of the Lord honorable if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you will delight in the Lord. And different translations will like talking idly will be like talking about work and stuff like that. But it has in there, it's it'll be a delight. The Sabbath is a delight, but it also is a holy day of the Lord that's honorable to him. It's honoring yeah. him. It's about giving him glory for a day. And yeah, like I think I like I, I think you're fine that you go to church awesome. and then and then work Sunday evening. I don't know. I'm not the, I'm not the ultimate judge. Well, I'll, but I'll, I'll, and I'll say this too. I'll say this too. I think um, ideally, if you can take Sunday, like so. When I was growing up, we had church Sunday morning and Sunday night, mm-hmm. and I think the and a lot of churches still do that. I think the idea is that your whole day is focused on Christ. So you, yeah, the, ideally, what you know what we did is we had church on Sunday morning. 
we came home. My mom usually cooked a meal, so we had a meal together mm-hmm. and then, you know, rested for the afternoon, did whatever, and then went back to church at night. And then after church at night, oftentimes, like our, our group of friends, we would go hang out at yeah. McDonald's. And I think that was like, that's a good rhythm in your life to have is to be like, we don't have any obligations on Sunday, yeah. but it's just being a part of the church community that we're a part of. Um, but also there is the the balance that I think we always have to bring to the conversation of like, like I know of a, a guy, he's an elder at a church, but he has to miss some Sundays and he's an elder. Uh-oh. <laughs> Because he's a firefighter. Yeah. And so like his schedule, sometimes it just ends up that like whatever you're like four days on, three Mm -hmm. days off, whatever it is. And so for some Sundays he, he does have to miss cause he's, there could be a fire and he has to go put it out. Um, and, and I, again, there's always the, the balance to it and everything. And I think people are free to disagree on it, but the, uh, what you brought up about the, the, um, I can't think of the word right now, but the letter of the law over the, the, oh, the spirit, spirit of the law, of the, law. the spirit of the law over the letter of the law is what Jesus is constantly getting at. And that's what we should be holding people to. Yeah. So like, if we see a, a father who is constantly working and never able to be with his family because he's, he's just, he has purposefully scheduled himself. Mm-hmm to be working at all times and not spending time with his family. I think that's an issue because that's yeah. a, ne- you're well, neglecting, you could be neglecting your kids. Ephesians right? six says the role of a parent is to disciple your children. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, if you're not, then that's a, a great use of the, of the time to have a good Sabbath, spend time with your kids and just be a godly example to yeah. them. And to that point too, like, this is why we disagree with recreation as well. Like you're, if you choose like Sundays, kind of your, your rest day, yeah. you go to church on Sunday Maybe you're working on a, an old car with your son. Mm-hmm. It, that's a lot of work, yeah. but you're like, you're spending that time with, with him. Well, in weekend, so one thing we kind of skipped last episode because we, was, we were going super long as I was talking about worshiping in life and, and nobody, nobody told me what they think that means, but you can, you can worship throughout your life. And that was, uh, oh no, it was in a previous paragraph that we skipped, but you know, the 1689 does talk about worshiping like publicly and privately worshiping in, in all of life. Like there, I've had experiences eating brisket that has led me to worship <laughs> where I'm like, Oh, praise the Lord. Like, this is so and like, and it's funny because I have a friend who's like really Pentecostal. Shout out Jeremy. But when he eats, he's like, mm, thank you, Jesus. And, like, and for some reason, that really bothers me. But I'm like, ah, oh, he's legitimate. But there's things where like you could think like, like just be mindful of him. You don't have to literally be worshiping in and like in the preaching and reading of the word and prayer and in communion and gathering of the saints but you can you can worship by being mindful of him and praising him for the good and wherever you are like and i think that is what redeems like recreation those things and a lot of yeah like fellowship is so important and a lot of people don't have Christian fellowship other than on the Lord's day. Yeah. Like a lot of people, the only Christians they see in a week is their own family. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, or if even like I live alone, sometimes like I see you on Wednesdays and I see my church on Sundays and that's yeah. it. Like, uh, but yeah, this like part of it comes to like not being under the law, under the weight of the law is just like, just chill. Yeah. Like, just trust in Jesus that he fulfilled the law for you. And then that part where Jesus is the Lord, of the Sabbath. It's about him. If we're totally disregarding it and we're like, Sabbath, whatever, I got to make that money, then that's an issue. But if we're like, I have to work Sunday evenings, then it's like, yeah, like you're, you're spending that time focusing on Jesus. You're spending that time in the assembly in the ecclesia. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's good. I'll throw this out, um, because it'll lead into our next, our final section. But, um, in our comments on YouTube or Discord or send us a message on Instagram, the question I would want to throw out to people is, if you're a, a Christian and you're an employer, is it wrong for you to get your employees to work on Sunday? Ooh. I think that's an interesting Ooh. question. Um, which leads us into comments, questions, and snide remarks. I have so many questions. Well, this week we had a quite the, an eventful time in our Discord. Thank you to... Uh, 
fan favorite, Brandon. <laughs> fan favorite. Uh, <laughs> um, in our Discord, which if you're not in our Discord and you want to interact more, um, kind of talk about stuff like this throughout the week, head on over to the link in our description, join our Discord, and start asking some questions. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon brought up a very interesting question. Um, I'm pulling it, was, it up It was now. a question that made me feel dumb for a second because I'm so far removed. I don't know how you feel, but I'm so far removed from school and seminary that people just don't use this language in day-to-day <laughs> yeah. life. Yeah. Like nobody talks about, what was it, uh, literal, historical, grammatical hermeneutics. Yeah. I was like... I knew what that meant once. <laughs> yeah. So, exactly. So, Brandon uh, posted this in the Discord. So, what do you think of this statement? It's a guy on Twitter, Pastor Scott. Um, he said, if you are not committed to grammatical historical hermeneutics and rigorous exegesis as foundational, it doesn't matter how orthodox you think you are. Eventually, you will lose ground to heterodoxy. What's yeah. heterodoxy? Heter- that's the nicer way of saying heresy. Yeah. It's just, it sounds less harsh. Yeah. <laughs> orthodoxy is like the the Christian belief, common yeah. Christian belief. Heterodoxy would be the opposite. So anyways, we had some good back and forth on that. And uh, we wanted to bring this up because we like interacting with it. And we thought um, we discussed some really good points on it as well, some things that were helpful. And um, so basically it was like, is the idea that you have to, interpret the Bible literally according to its grammar and history. Um, The only way to look at the Bible, and if you don't, it'll lead to heresy eventually, or you'll lose ground to heresy. Um, Historical and grammatical is basically this. Um, This view of interpreting the Bible says that if it appears that the author intended to convey an account of events that actually happened, then the text should be taken as representing history. Mm -hmm. So something like, Moses parting the Red Sea, like you you would read that and you'd be like, that's a historical event that actually happened. That's how we should take that. Yeah. Um, passages should only be interpreted symbolically, poetically, or allegorically if to the best of our understanding, that is what the writer intended to convey to the original audience. Mm-hmm. So basically you're saying, what does the author intend here? And if that's the way, then that's the only way to interpret it, whether it's history or um, or if he's saying, symbolically speaking, this is how this goes. Mm-hmm. That's how you should interpret it. And we had some good back and forth about it, talking about this idea. Basically, it came down to uh, there's not enough nuance there because generally we agree you should look at the Bible and read it fairly literally with the author's intent. But Yeah, I'm a little bit worried that we're losing people this is definitely this is some meaty stuff Mm -hmm. if if we if we mostly talk about milk we're getting into some meat now yeah exactly but yeah he's he's making this point he's like if you don't interpret every scripture is literal considering it is the history when it was written what the author's original intent is the original context and what they were trying to convey you're going to be a heretic and my first reaction was like i like that yeah yeah i was like Mm. this it's like yeah I guess, but then when I give it a little bit of thought, I was like, well, on one hand, like guys like, like us and Brandon and a lot of pastors have spent a lot of time studying the history and the context. And that's something that like a really good preacher will bring up to bring up history and context. Cause it really fills out a sermon, but the average person doesn't know all that. They're, you're just reading the Bible as you have it. And mm-hmm. I think saying that if you don't know all this history and grammar and you don't understand the original language and you can't parse verbs in Hebrew and Greek and all that. And by the way, I don't really know Hebrew or Greek. I know a very little bit mm-hmm. uh, that I can use the tools, but I can't just read it off of like a, a, a Greek translation or something. But yep. uh, I think that it's disregarding the role of the Holy Spirit in helping us to understand his word. Yeah. And, uh, Oh man, I can never think of it. But we've mentioned the passage before too about how the Spirit gives us understanding. We can't understand His Word without it. And I've used the example of people I went to Bible college with who had really good grades, better grades than me, which isn't hard. Um, but then I've left the faith, and it's because you, you need the Spirit to actually grasp into to internalize and, and get these things. And I think there's a lot of really phenomenal pastors who haven't been, like, even, wasn't Spurgeon not all that educated? I think it was uh, him. No. There's there's I one of the, that. like, greats 
of the like preaching that that just wasn't all that that educated and i think it's problematic to say that those people can't understand scripture um yeah basically and the reason we wanted to bring this up here is uh to not only talk about it a little bit more but also to say like Christianity doesn't stand and fall on like uh, your literal interpretation. Mm. I think that's where we came down with like uh, uh, comments like this saying like, you know, if you don't interpret the Bible in this exact way that I've decided it is the only proper way, then you're going to fall into heresy and you're going to allow liberalism to come into Christianity. And that's, that's not true. The Bible is such a complex book where it's easy to understand, but it's also has so much complexity to it and so much meaning to it and so many um, pathways and structures and things that the authors are yeah. getting across. Well, in it. I'll, I'll give you an example that, well, maybe you can help me with a reference, but an example to, to clarify what we're saying is so like, yes, it's generally a good idea when you read. So if you're reading like, uh, I'll say revelation, cause that's contentious, but I think John was writing this for a particular audience so what was John thinking about? What was John trying to communicate to mm-hmm. the Jews and the believers in dispersion when he wrote Revelation? Like, so it's good to think about that. But then there's also like we see Paul will reference the Psalms as referring to Jesus. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you can think of an example offhand. I have a few underlined in my Bible. I just don't have them memorized. But mm-hmm. um and part of that is because what we call typology, which we've talked about before, that we see throughout Scripture, there's concepts like the the King, like the Holy Lord, the the Messiah. These these concepts are introduced, and one of them was the Anointed One, um, which is is that the word for Messiah? That's mm-hmm. the same thing, right? Yeah. So Messiah means Anointed One, and David was the Anointed One, right? He was literally anointed. So when the psalmists are writing about God's anointed one, they're saying all these things, and they think they're talking about just David. They think they're talking about just the king, because the current king is the anointed one. But they're actually referring to the concept of the anointed one, which ultimately is fulfilled in Jesus, which is how Paul can look at the Psalms that are talking about God's love for his anointed and apply that directly to Jesus, God's son, his anointed. Yeah, But then... Like that—that's a level of just like deeper reading, and having to view the Bible as a whole. You can't just if you're just reading the Psalm with this literal and thinking what was the psalmist trying to convey. You're gonna miss this connection to Jesus. And and there's like there's been some pushback, but I think generally, like there are very few pitfalls where you screw up. That generally, if you read any passage of scripture, like as long as it's like an actual block of scripture you can be thinking, how does this relate to Jesus? Yeah. Because it's very much all from Genesis. And we've talked about that too, how Jesus was already promised when he's cursing the snake. He's like, yeah, but the seed of the woman will crush the snake's head, referring to Jesus. Like you see this ramp up, how everything's pointing up to Jesus. And then everything after Jesus is talking about like the effects of Jesus and and, and what's happening now. Um, But yeah, any scripture you're reading, like, yeah, try to understand what the original author is saying. That's a good place to start, but really think to where is Jesus in this? What does this have to do with the gospel? Yeah. Yeah. And to close this one off, because I know you want to get to the, the next one to finish yeah. it. But uh, Brandon, this is what we, we wanted to share. When, and the one thing Brandon finished with was one of my teachers explained it really well. He said that so much of the debate has revolved around the word literal with people asking whether you interpret the Bible literally or not and that being a sign of whether you're orthodox or not. But that isn't the issue. The real question is, do you take it seriously? If you don't take it seriously, it doesn't matter if you read it allegorically or literally. I like that. Yeah. And that's that's what it comes down to. At the end of the day, um, are you taking it seriously or are you trying to use... Because you can fall into, I'm taking it so literally that I'm protecting people against going off into heresy. Or you can take it so far like allegorically that you're making it say whatever you want to say. And it's Mm. like, well, this is what I think it says. And, and that's, that's the truth for me. But the question really comes down to, are you taking it seriously? Are you taking God at his word and seeing how it affects your life and points you to Jesus? Yeah. Um, I wanted to reply just briefly to a comment that we got on one of our YouTube shorts. If you don't know, we will clip parts of this as shorter videos for people who don't have the time to watch an hour long video. 
Um, and it's funny cause it's the type of comment that usually like you just ignore and isn't worth replying to, but I thought this was interesting and I thought it might be valuable for all of you guys to, to know how we respond to this. But somebody commented and just said, God is a fairy tale to stop you being scared of death. Grow up. And my, my sort of like my first response is that we could just as easily say that atheism is just a fairy tale to stop you being scared of consequences. Because if like, oh no, is this wrong? Am I a horrible person? Oh, there's just no God. Then I'm, then I'm just free of consequences, right? But I actually think this point is, is moot because death is a lot more frightening if you believe in God, because that means there is some objective moral standard. If there is a God, there will be judgment and that's a lot more frightening than just ceasing to exist. Like, there's nothing scary to me about death. Like, you, you've heard of Pascal's wager where he's like, it's really the best option. Because if I'm wrong, nothing matters, and death just means eternal sleep, that sounds pretty nice to me. But if I'm right, I've rightly identified the truth, that I, then I'm going to spend eternity in the presence of God in the new heavens and earth without fear, suffering, sickness, or death. There's, there's nothing to be afraid of, of death, like, unless, unless God is real and you're rebelling against him, that's when you should be afraid of death. But I'll also just say, like, I personally, and maybe you can, you can answer this as well. I came to believe in God from looking at the world and asking what is real, examining the evidence and finding theism to be a much more complete and logically compelling answer to existence. Because you have questions of morality, what is good, beauty, what is it, what, what's the ultimate meaning of existence, why is there evil in the world, is there such a thing as true justice, will true justice ever happen? These are questions that an atheistic worldview can't even touch. This whole idea that, oh, Christian worldview is illogical and atheism is only logical worldview, it's based on science, is total total bogus a total fallacy make a real argument <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's i think it's important to actually face questions like this head on because um it's so easy for us to just type a comment and say something like this and not truly think about it at the end of the day what it comes down to uh for us i, I think i can say for us is that um you know, we believe in God and we believe in the Bible because we believe that's what's true. Mm. And someone who I identify as, as an atheist has to believe that what the Bible says isn't true and they believe in some other type of system that is true yeah. for how their life is. So at the end of the day, we're both believing in something. It's what are you believing in? Now, I, I understand, like you can say, atheism is the lack of belief in God. Like you don't have belief in God. Mm. But at, at the end of the day, everyone believes something about what the world is like, where it came from, all these big questions. And at the end of the day, the, the question comes, is God real or is God not? Did God create the world? Did he not? Mm. And that's what we all have to f fall on. And I think a lot of people are scared of death. Yeah. And so when you're scared of something, you want to find a solution to it. Mm -hmm. And so some people say, well, death is death. I'm just going to die. And that's it. And I don't need a God to like make yeah. me feel better. But we look at the question of death and we say, okay, death is inevitable. Why do, why is death a thing? And we mm. believe death is a thing because sin entered into the world. And then you say, okay, how do I solve the issue then? Yeah. Like how, how do I, how do I work this out? And the answer is through believing in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we believe that to be true. And that's, that's what well, it is. You made a good point in there too. Like, the reason why death is, is frightening and why we don't like it is because it's unnatural. We weren't created to die. Mm -hmm. We were created to be eternal beings and death is the result of sin corrupting us. But yeah, that's where like we have, we have an answer to that, but isn't everything's meaningless, just the easiest like cop out, like everything. And then if you actually believe that, if you actually believe everything is meaningless and when you die, you just are at peace then why would you be worried about that? Because I don't like, I don't know about you, but I've, I've gone through a lot of really miserable, painful things. Mm -hmm. And like, especially when you get older, like you see a lot of people get to a point where like, you can't see or speak or hear. And like, I, I've had relatives who make it to an age when they're like, I'm ready to die. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, 
like do you yeah i don't know it's like it's 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 not frightening when you have a grasp on the reality of god and i think it's only frightening to people who don't believe in god because they don't actually not believe <laughs> yeah yeah so to answer your question we're not scared yeah we're not scared come at me commenters <laughs> <laughs> anyways here i'll cue the outro music but um yeah we we appreciate you all for listening especially those of you live i see i see a lot of my last name in the chat which is funny to me when my family are here but it, there are other people in our community as well yes kyle says hello family there are other people in our community as well um, and we love to hear from you so if you have any thoughts questions snide remarks if you want me to go on a rant in response to something you have to say um yeah let us know leave a comment on youtube if you want to support us best thing you can do is share this with people if you're on youtube especially do a like if you're on like spotify or apple Podcasts, write a, a review like actually write it out give the star rating but say some words too and that really goes a long way for boosting our visibility because we just want to talk to more people we want to spread the truth to more people See, my mom says, everyone serves somebody we choose who we will serve. That is absolutely true. Anyways, closing remarks? It's all good. We will see you next week. Go buy Vine Coffee from vinecoffeeco.com. Yes. Uh, discount code Sinners Drink Coffee. Link in the description. <laughs> <laughs>